being here, and thank you for being part of our morning. And uh, the whole, the holy smokes, uh, barbecue Chuck has just arrived. You guys were worried about that, uh, but we got that covered. Uh, there is a running bet going on to see how long uh, the banner over here that says "I love my church" will stay up or it'll take off like a kite. So um, I think the over under is five minutes. So uh, who wants the over? Who wants the under? Okay, uh, Brent's our bookie, so you'll see him. Uh, uh, but it is great to have you guys here, and we are excited about our new series. It is simply called I Love My Church. Who here has ever been to a church before? You guys here got one now, uh, even though maybe you've never walked inside one. Uh, hopefully you'll check us out. Uh, if you've been at church, churches come in different shapes and different sizes. And uh, I actually made a little bit of a list of all the churches I could think of, and it's only about 300 so uh, here we go. Ready? Uh, I'm not going to read 300 churches. So we got the Free Methodist Church, the United Methodist Church, the African Methodist Church, the American Methodist Church, the American Episcopal Methodist Church, the Baptist Church, the Presbyterian Church, the Lutheran Church, the Unitarian Church, and the Missionary Church. We have First Baptist Church, Second Baptist Church, Third Baptist Church, and the Fifth Thirds Bank that's next to a church. I guess that counts. We have the Church of God, the Church of God Anderson, we have the Church of Jesus, the Church of Jesus Christ, and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We have uh, on my shelf in my office, I have books all about church. I have the prayer-saturated church, the purpose-driven church, the emotionally healthy church, but here in my notes it says the, the emotionally deathly church, um, maybe a little bit of both, and I also have Who Stole My Church?, I also have Weird Church, Relevant Church, Unlearning Church, and one of my favorite, Mad Church Disease. That's a fun read. I have churches that welcome, churches that exclude, churches with big buildings. I've actually been to a church that serves really good chicken. It's called Church's Chicken. Well, that's that one. All right. I have churches that meet on Mondays. Churches that meet on Thursdays, churches that meet in strip malls, and I've actually heard of churches that actually meet in strip clubs. Not sure how that goes. Uh, a little awkward for me. I did a Google search yesterday to find out which church in Davison has the best service. And guess what I found? It's Churches and Sons Auto Repair. They're the highest rated for service when it comes to there. So you guys have to check them out over on Lapeer Road. So our series over the next five weeks is going to be I Love My Church. And I don't know about you, but if you've grown up in the church, church doesn't produce this kind of sense of love. In fact, some other emotions you get from church. I bet you if I polled the audience today and asked how many people were hurt by someone from a church or hurt by a way a church did something or approached something or said something or believed something, all of us would say, you know what, I don't feel like the church is worthy to deserve love. In my own experience, I have been betrayed by church. I've been hurt by church. I've been left out when I've been to church. I've been hated by church. I've been fired by church. Church doesn't naturally produce this emotion that we want to kind of operate with this idea of this heart right here. 
In fact, I have a card to eat every one of your packets on the way. If you find that, it's going to be your little take-home for you. It's also going to be our notes for the day. Uh, so all you got to do is just look at this card, and we'll walk through just what this idea of I love my church and why it's important. Because if we go back to the origin of church, we go back to the first meeting, the first meaning of church, there was a different set of emotions. In fact, Jesus says this, and if you turn the... Turn the uh, uh, card over to the red part. This is the verse for today. It's Matthew chapter 16, verses 19. Jesus said, On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Now, I grew up in the church, and one of the things that I learned was hell was bad. Right? Would you guys agree with that? So bad that we weren't even allowed to say the word. We had to say H-E double hockey sticks. So the gates of H-E double hockey sticks will not overcome it. Right? Because it's so, so bad. Jesus goes on to say in the very next verse of that particular uh, scripture passage, he says that it will give you the keys of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In other words, he's saying, if you want to access the heavenly, it happens in church. And if you want to run away from hell, or H-E double hockey sticks, whatever way you want to say it, you have to find that in church. So it's almost like Jesus is saying all the good stuff that lives in heaven, all the positive things, all the ways that heaven reaches from up there down here to this world is found through church. In contrary, all the things of hell, which we always think hell is underneath. So everyone look down. Hell down here. And if you don't want that to come up and overtake us, all the evil, all the betrayal, all the hatred, all the, all the exclusion, all the distrust. If we don't want that to reach us. It happens in church. But in my experience, it's quite the opposite. So why is Jesus so excited about church, and yet the, the, the realization of it, what we experience in our culture, produces something different. Well, I think it goes back to actually the meaning of the word church. Actually, I'm going to listen to two words, and it's on this card right here that we're going to talk about. The first word is simply the word church. C-H-U-R-C-H. Where does this word come from? The word actually comes from a German word that was invented long after church already existed. And when, they, when the Bible started to be translated, they borrowed this, church, this German word, the word Kirka, and they used it to mean church. Now the word Kirka is, a, is an okay word, it's nothing wrong with the word, but the word actually means a location. It means a building. It means a box. It means a building with walls and a ceiling. It means a, a building with, with doors. And maybe a, a cross on the top. Maybe a steeple. In fact, if you remember growing up, you experienced this, right? This is the church. Look at the church. Look at the steeple. Open the doors. See all the people, right? Because where are the people? They're in the church, right? And guess what else the church needs? Doors. Walls and a staple, right? From the very beginning, we were, were integrated with this idea that church was a, a, a box. 
a building. Do you know the word Jesus uses? In this particular passage is the first time this word church shows up in Scripture. And Jesus drops it. But he doesn't use the word church because Jesus didn't speak German. And contrary to popular belief, Jesus didn't speak English either. Jesus spoke uh, the, the local language. And when they spoke this language and they wrote the Bible, they picked the language that was the most read throughout all of it so that people could understand and hear the story of Jesus because it was life transforming. And when they used that particular word, they chose the, the language of Greek. And when they translated the word church, Greek, they used the word that Jesus used. And Jesus used the word in Greek, you guys are going to love it, it's called ekklesia. Ekklesia. Go ahead and say that, but watch you don't spit on the person in front of you. Ekklesia means assembly, gathering. Actually, there's two components to a ecclesia. One, you need people, and two, you need a purpose. So getting together a group of people for a purpose constitutes an assembly or an ecclesia. So let's say we all together, let's say we canceled church today, and we went to a Taylor Swift concert. And we all went to see Taylor Swift on purpose. There's part of me just hurting inside, but I would say we went. We would be an ecclesia. We would be an assembly. Let's say we are gathered for some political gathering, all based upon the same political views. I think it's impossible to have a group of people give the same political views, but let's just dream a little bit. Let's say we all gather, we all have the same political views, and we gather together with an assembly. We would be having a, a ecclesia, a gathering together, a purpose of gathering together. That is the ecclesia. So what did I tell you? The two key components of Jesus' view of church means assembly and people. Assembly and people. Now, did you hear what he said? You have to have a steeple. Did you have to have doors? In fact, Jesus is being, uh, I believe, important with his choice of words in this. Because in, in a church, in a kirka, you can lock the doors. You can keep people out. But in an ecclesia, you can't. You can't keep people out of an assembly. And the reason he's doing this is he's setting the stage for something important. Jesus doesn't want us to be focused on a building. He never did. In fact, the building, the location, was something he was fighting against when he grew up as a Jew. Because the Jews had their building, right? Their temple. And they believed that that's where God resided. And in order to find God, you had to go where? To the temple. And Jesus says that the assembly is where God pours out his presence. And you don't need a building. You don't need a temple. You don't need a steeple. In fact, everyone is welcome in this. And this concept is key to understand. Now, now that I told you the first word, this word, church, the second word I want you to do, and you can find it there on your card, is the word my. My church. Because like I said, you could have an ecclesia, you could have an assembly with any kind of purpose. But the idea that this is Jesus' church makes it a sense that we belong to him and we reflect who he is. In fact, let's go back and read the whole section of Scripture that he's talking about in this part. This is Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 and through 20. 
It says this, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say I am? Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So basically Jesus has gathered his disciples to the town of Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi is a northern town. It has two words to it here, Caesarea and Philippi. And the way those words are chosen is one is a Roman word and one is a Greek word. You know what's missing from those two words is the word Jewish. It was not necessarily a large population of Jews. The Jews were having some mixed. And one lady that I always picture, they're sitting around a campfire, and they're talking, and Jesus says, so guys, back, when we're back in Judea, when we're back down there, people are saying, hey, did you hear this Jesus guy? Did you hear he did some miracles? Did you hear he did some awesome things? Did you hear about his teaching? Well, what are people saying? So they reply, well, some people say that you're John the Baptist. You know, remember your, your cousin who was beheaded? That you But then he asks a question, and I believe it comes to a question today, because if we're going to talk about my church, not your church or my church, but Jesus' church, we have to understand who Jesus is. And that's exactly what he asks him. He says, who do you say I am? Some of them might have said, well, you're, really, you're a great friend. So we've seen you do things, Jesus, that no one could ever do. We really like it when you, when you heal people, especially close to us. We like it when you do these miraculous things. We like it when you get close to us and we feel safe around you. We like how you invest time into us. You're our friend. You're our brother. You're our rabbi. But one of them, kind of the spokesperson for this band of disciples, he spoke up, and that was Peter, and it says this. Peter said, you... Jesus responds this. He said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for what was revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are, he said Simon before, now he says Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. So, picture this, okay? I know Jesus is talking about building in this passage, building my church, but he's not talking about building. It's a play on words because Peter's name actually means little rock, and he changes his name to mean big rock. So he's saying, hey, Rocky, or little pebble. Okay, Rocky, now you're a big rock, and upon this idea, upon this this uh realization of who I am is how I will build my church, my assembly, my ecclesia. He's not talking about actually setting a foundation and building walls and putting a roof on it. He's talking about capturing this idea of who Jesus is. So let me tell you this, because you, you need to wrestle with this. Who is Jesus to you? 
Now, some of you might say, this is the first time I'm hearing about this guy. I hear some of this. I've, I've met Christians. I, I, we celebrate Christmas. We do Easter. Uh, but but, but we, I've never really dove into the actual person of Jesus. That's okay. That's okay. Come spend some time with us. I encourage you to research it. If you want some information of how to research it, where to research it, come see us. I'll give you that information. But we believe that Jesus actually existed. And you're going to have a hard time proving that he didn't actually exist. Because we have historical records apart from the Bible that prove he existed. And we also have proof apart from the Bible that Jesus did some amazing, amazing things. And if we put the, the, uh, the evidence together, we know that this person who lived in first century Palestine did one amazing thing. And this is what seals it for me as far as Jesus. It's because Jesus made a claim Jesus made a claim that he would die and rise again. And then Jesus pulled it off. And for me, that seals it. For me, that's, that does it for me. That's something that is, at least should intrigue you to find out who this person is. And you think about it. The Romans that hated Jesus, the Jews that hated Jesus, now... Where do you go to Rome and you find what? You find crosses and churches. You go, to, uh, you go to Palestine and what do you see? You see crosses, evidence of Jesus. This person of Jesus has changed history. And it comes with this idea that not only was he going to come and offer some spiritual connection to God, but he was going to come and build his assembly. And this assembly, this gathering, on purpose, his purpose, my church, his church, he said would change the world. Now let me tell you, as we wrap up today, I want to tell you something uh, that I experienced before I came specifically to this church. Before I get to that story, I want to tell you, I want to invite you back over the next few weeks where we'll talk about some characteristics of what kind of church we feel we need to be because of Jesus and invite you to be part of that church. So we'll be talking about how a church is encouraged us to grow closer to God, a church that encourages us to connect with one another, a church that worships God and sets up, believes in something bigger and better than us. We'll be talking about a, being a church that serves, being a church that, uh, that helps one another, and being a church of sinners. Who here is a sinner? I'm, I'm, I'm the chief one, right? So we'll talk about that over the next few weeks, but I want to end with this story. Before I came here, and I grew up in the church. My dad was a pastor. I grew up in church. I used to go to church about five times a week. Okay, And I grew up in some sense, hating church because I saw what it did to my family. Well, I guess I'm a glutton for punishment because this is my job now. And I started to, to follow into church, one, because I was intrigued by it, and one, I really did feel that that's what God wanted me to do. And it seemed like the more I went into church, the more I got inside this church, the more I went into the walls, inside the walls, the more I, I opened up the doors, the more I looked at the steeple and opened the doors and saw all the people, is the more I saw pain and betrayal. And actually, the church that I was involved with 
before I came specifically to this church four years ago caused me nothing but pain. I was betrayed by people in the church. I was called names by people in the church. There was a plot within the church to remove me and my family from the church. Now, I can understand. I I'm, can kind of rub people the wrong way. But I mean, have you met my wife? Who's not like my wife? Come on. My kids? Seriously. And because of that, after going through that experience and then pretty much saying, listen, Shane, we don't want you as our church leader anymore. And moreover, we don't even want you in our group churches anymore. You're done. You're dead to us, so to speak. I felt betrayed, moved out from the church. And I bet you, even though maybe you guys have worked in a church or not worked in a church, I bet you you have had a similar experience. Where you've been, when you've gotten inside here, and you opened up the doors, you experienced a lot of pain. And so because of that, you kind of play church carefully. You kind of push church out like this, saying, I'm never going to get in again. I'm never going to get in again. And I felt the same way. In fact, I sent my resume to every uh, marketing company that I could find because I didn't want to be part of a church anymore. I was going to work at Starbucks because everyone knows I love coffee. I thought, I could do that. I don't even want to be a part of church anymore because of the pain that I experienced. Well, I got an opportunity, short, make a, a long story short, I got an opportunity to come check out becoming the associate pastor of this church. And I thought, well, I'll come. I'll let myself in, but I came like this. There's no way. There's no way. But let me tell you, when I met what's inside this church, what's inside this church, when I opened up the doors and saw the people, they loved me for who I am. They love my wife for who she is. They love my kids for who they are. They accepted me. And you might say, well, they had to because you're a pastor. No, they don't. Ask any pastor. They accept it. So if you're looking for a church, or if maybe you're just kind of slow playing this church, kind of whipping it around saying, I'm just coming for the food trucks today. <laughs> Consider being a part of our church. Because I want to show you something. That in the midst of the church that we experience, there is a lot of pain. But if you really open up the church, you'll find that inside, there really is hope. Why? Because it is Jesus' church. The church was never meant to be confined by the walls but instead opened up. And when that happens, the true meaning of church comes alive. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you. We pray that in this moment, Father, that you would speak to us and guide us, that your spirit would move in a powerful way. Father, we know that many of here have been hurt by church or hurt by people from the church. And Father, I pray that in this moment that they would set aside that pain, maybe offer them just a little reprieve from the bitterness and the anger that they feel. 
that instead they would find your many mercies and love. We know that you have given power to the church, power to open up heavenly things, heavenly things like grace and peace and the courage to forgive. And Father, I pray that every person would find that today as they cry out to you. And Father, I pray that you would bless your church, not necessarily this church, but every church that bears your name, that you would redeem your church, that you would clean your church, and that you would save us, even from church, to find out what it truly meant. And that we can honestly say, I love my church. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me just say one thing as the band closes with one final song. The church through history has been marked, Jesus' church has been marked by one singular expression. In fact, the day before he would die, Jesus called his disciples together. And he said, hey guys, I'm going to a place that you can't even go with me. But I want to tell you something you need to be reminded of, something you need to do beyond things are going to get rough over the next week or so, the next month or so. Honestly, for the rest of your life. But there's one thing you need to know. He said, whatever you do, build a church with walls and a steeple and make sure it has an altar. Make sure you open up a checking account. Make sure you take an offering every time people gather. No, he didn't say that. He said, if you really want to be my followers, it has nothing to do with church. It has to do with this expression. The expression that he said, you will know, the world will know that you follow me by the way you love one another. You see, Jesus' church is marked by that heart. Jesus' church is marked by love. his disciples to love one another. Why? Because they loved, they were loved by him. To accept one another the same way they were accepted. To forgive one another the way they were forgiven. Some of you need to experience that today. But let me say this. The song that's going to be sung over you is, is a prayer that we've had for every one of you. That you would know that God loves you so much. And as an expression of that love, this church will vow to love you as best as we possibly can. That you can find a home here. That you can find acceptance here. You don't have to be all nice and clean. You don't even have to say the right things or wear the right things. We'll accept you even if you wear a Harley shirt. <laughs> You'll find love here. We won't always get it right. We pray that you'll forgive us as we forgive each other. But you will find love because you're worth it. Because we love you. And Jesus loves you. So listen to this song, our anthem for you today.
keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure. Am I more than just the sum of every high and every low?
Thank you so much for being with us here today. And, uh, let's just have that spirit of celebration, even as we recognize today that uh, he says that we belong. And so let's uh, let's go forth today, uh, remember that we belong to him, and just let's belong to each other. Let's celebrate that. Now, if you're a kid here, don't get disappointed. The location for the Kona Ice Truck is right over there. They're running late. So they'll be here. And uh, all of those Kona Ice we promised we're going to be delivering. But it might be a good idea to go eat first. And they'll be here within about uh, uh, half hour or so with Kona Ice. So go grab your food. And the Kona Ice Truck will be there. Uh, I know. Important things to end the service with Kona Ice. God bless you. Let's have a good day together. Grab your chair and take a look if you want to sit down. I can't remember to do that in the office. Grab your chair and take a look.